At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but he could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw all this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to the house, gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. In the Gospels, inspired as they are by the Holy Spirit, there are no wasted words. And so whenever we have a Gospel that's so rich in detail, as this one is, uh, it's a little bit difficult because, you know, as you're looking, as I'm looking at the reading, about five or six possible homily ideas arise, and I assume you only want one, right? So what do we choose between? What's, you know, what is the meaning of the fact that Zacchaeus climbs the sycamore tree, right? Uh, what about the fact that Jesus was passing through, uh, intending to pass through town, but upon seeing Zacchaeus changes his mind apparently and says, I got to stay at your house. There's the conversion of Zacchaeus. There's the dialogue with the people that are scandalized by the fact that Jesus is staying with a sinner. There's so much. So I'm going to focus in on a couple things. Uh, I want to focus in on, first of all, the, the conversion of Zacchaeus, and then also Jesus' statement that uh, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. And now one of the things that really moves me about the, the conversion of Zacchaeus is the fact that, and I think this is actually often true uh, for many of us, that on some level we are aware of what it is that we're doing wrong. On some level, even if we don't uh, want to say it out loud, even if we're maybe not willing to consciously acknowledge it to our own minds, on some level we're aware that there's something, there's something in us that's disordered and that needs conversion. I was really moved this week reading this passage because before Jesus ever actually makes any sort of demand of Zacchaeus, right? He simply, he sees Zacchaeus wanting to, wanting to see who Jesus was and changes his mind, right? He's, he was passing through town. Instead he says, Zacchaeus, come down here. I'm going to stay at your house tonight. So the Lord initiates essentially a relationship with Zacchaeus. And he loves Zacchaeus. And he loves Zacchaeus before he asks anything from Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus' immediate response, uh, we don't, at least we don't have any recorded dialogue but behind, beyond Jesus saying, I'm going to stay at your house. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who's hated by all of his you know, fellow citizens because he manipulates them, uh, he's sort of a traitor, he gets rich off of their exploitation. He just up and declares, when Jesus says, I want to stay at your house, he up and declares, uh, I'm going to give away half of what I own and anything that I've extorted, I'm going to repay fourfold. 
So it's clear to me that Zacchaeus already knew. He, he, his conscience had already gone to work on what it is that he needed to change, but it was a response to the love of Jesus. It was a response to essentially being looked at, noticed by Jesus. It was a, it was a response of Jesus to enter into his life that actually triggered that conversion. And those things that Zacchaeus probably already felt bad about, that his conscience already afflicted him about, that's the moment he was uh, able to convert. I also think it's a, it's a wonderful thing for us to witness in Zacchaeus, this man who is such a great sinner. He knew upon encountering Jesus that he couldn't simply stay the same that he had always been. He knew that encountering the love of Jesus, conversion was a necessary response. I watched, I saw a movie, I don't even remember what the movie was. I was, I was probably a teenager when I saw it. And it was some movie that took place in the South because in my voice, I'm hearing a Southern lady say this. Uh, and she told somebody, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And I think very often we, we're very comfortable with the first part of that saying, Jesus loves you just the way you are, but it's the second part that sometimes needs more attention, right? But he loves you too much to let you stay that way. Always, always in our life, Jesus loves us first. But then if we are going to really be disciples, what is called for is conversion. And the reason I say this to you, I mean, it, you, know, you could say we're preaching to the choir, right? Here you are at Mass on Sunday, you're here last Sunday, you're here Sunday before, you say, aren't we converted? But, you know, one thing that I really love Pope Benedict for reminding us a lot in his writing and preaching is how because of original sin, conversion is a daily reality for us. Right? It's not just something that, it's not just something that happens once. We can't just have one come to Jesus moment and then we're good forever. Uh, and we're, you know, we're, we're basically Christian. Rather, even after maybe a big initial conversion, the tendencies to sin still live in us, right? The weaknesses, the, the ways that we're not perfect, the ways that our desires are bent away from what's good and towards what's evil, that always remains in us, which means we are never, ever, ever in this life past the point where daily conversion is necessary. That is a part of being Christian. Every day Jesus comes to us, and if we are going to be his disciples, if he's going to stay in our house, so to speak, right, if, he is going, if he's going to be the Lord of our life, if he's going to stay in our house, then every single day we have to respond uh, not only by saying yes to the Lord, but by turning away from that which is contrary to the gospel. And so we see this beautiful conversion in Zacchaeus. Right? But as Zacchaeus is having this wonderful encounter with Jesus, and as his heart is moving him to conversion, and to really act in, on his conversion, right, and act in a way that uh, costs him. I mean, he's a rich man, and he's gotten rich for, you know, in morally unsound ways, but in legal ways. And he is going to give away a lot of that wealth. And he's going to repay four times over what was gained dishonestly, which means he's going from being a very rich and hated man to probably a very poor and hated man because of uh, his response to Jesus. But the encounter that he had there was so real. The love that he experienced in Jesus was so real that he was able to make that conversion. But while that's happening in Zacchaeus's heart, we have all these other people who are just scandalized and disgusted that Jesus would go into the home of a sinner. And here is a problem, right? As we've said, we need to daily have conversion. And one of the things that happens when we convert, right, when we turn away from 
what's not the Lord and turn towards the Lord. If we are going to have an authentic conversion and be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to love what Jesus loves. We have to love what his father loves. And what his father loves is every person he created. Right? We see that uh, beautifully stated in the book of wisdom. Right? O Lord and lover of souls, uh, but you spare all things because they are yours. O Lord and lover of souls, for your imperishable, imperishable spirit is in all things. Therefore, you rebuke offenders little by little, warn them and remind them of the sins they are committing, that they abandon their wickedness and believe in you, Lord. It's telling us the Lord does not reject or despise anything he creates, but he loves everything he creates. He loves every single one of us. And when we fall into sin, he hates our sin, but he doesn't stop loving us. And that's why he rebukes us. That's why he sometimes punishes us. That's why he sends people to call us to conversion, because he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lose anything. Right? Uh, the, the doctrine of hell exists because of free will, but it exists because there are people that reject God, not because God rejects anyone. If we are going to convert and we're going to love what God loves, what Jesus loves, what his Father loves, we have to love every person he has created. We have to love sinners. So, this is a little bit of a transition, but uh, I've, I've been reflecting. I'm teaching a course on faith right now, and I've been, so I've been reflecting a lot on faith lately. And the, the statement that faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from what is heard. Right? That every one of us that is here, every one of us that believes in the Lord, every one of us that's Catholic, every one of us that's striving to live the gospel, is we're here because at some point somebody proclaimed the gospel to us and our hearts responded. And it's one of those things about the faith that is scandalous to me almost to the point that it, it attempts to unbelieve. How can it be that the salvation of our souls is dependent upon somebody else preaching the gospel to us? How can it be that the salvation of our souls is dependent upon somebody else administering the sacraments to us? And yet, in the mystery of God's will, this is how it is. Faith comes through hearing, not just for us, but for all the sinners that we encounter. And the ordinary way that the Lord wishes to proclaim himself to these people is through our witness. And so one of the tendencies we have to fight against is we have to fight against the tendency to be a closed community, to take on us versus them mentality. And brothers and sisters, it is very easy to do that. And I convict myself along with anybody else in here about that, right? It's easy for us to find other people who already share our values, already share our worldview, already believe what we believe and say, this is us and everybody else is them. But if we are going to become more like Jesus, if we're gonna be his disciples, if we're going to be more perfected in his love and imitate him, then we have to love what he loves, and he loves the lost. Which is why he ends this gospel by saying, the Son of Man has come to seek and save what is lost. I know you all hate Zacchaeus, but Zacchaeus too is the son of Abraham. And I've come to seek him because he's lost. I've come to save him because he's lost. Now, when it comes to the work of proclaiming the gospel, I hate to break it to you guys, but that's mostly your job. Right? Priests, yes, we proclaim the gospel, but for the most part, we're working with the people who are here. You're working with the people who are out there. And the Lord, I promise you, the Lord wishes for you to take the gospel to others. 
And not just in the way of condemnation, right? You can't just write angry Facebook posts and call yourself an evangelist, right? We have to imitate what the Lord does. The Lord seeks out Zacchaeus. The Lord looks at Zacchaeus, loves Zacchaeus. The Lord says, I want to stay in your home, Zacchaeus. And it's in response to that love, that desire for relationship that Zacchaeus has a conversion, right? Now, brothers and sisters, I'm a passionate guy. Right? I, I have like a kind of a stoic demeanor, but underneath that, I, my, my heart is on fire. And because of that, I have, I, this is a danger for me, right? This is a danger for me. If somebody rejects the gospel, especially somebody in my life, it hurts me and I want to reject them. But if I reject them for rejecting the gospel, then I'm not being like Jesus. Because does, Jesus doesn't reject the lost. He seeks the lost, he saves the lost, and he does it in loving relationship. Now, to be practical, I do recognize that we need brothers and sisters in Christ who we can support each other and hold each other up. So I'm not saying get rid of your Christian friends and go hang out with the pagans. That's probably not a good idea, right? We need to sustain each other in fraternity. Uh, if you have children, I recognize that you need to raise your children in an environment where you feel like they are somewhat safe, uh, being influenced by good things and being preserved from bad influences. However, this is a little bit of an aside, I maybe shouldn't say this, but I'm just going to go with it, right? Uh, you know, I work in high school ministry, and it's interesting to me uh, what that looks like. Because when you're dealing with teenagers, you're not dealing with adults yet, but you're not dealing with little kids yet either, right? You're dealing with people who are still kind of little kids, but who are also on the cusp of the world, right? Uh, it has happened several times in the decade that I've been working uh, in high school ministry, where a, a wonderful Catholic family comes to my school, and then their kid has some sort of bad experience, right? They, they hear something that they don't like, they see something that's not good, and the parents will come to me and say, this happened probably three or four times, I thought this was a Catholic school. And then they pull their kids out, right? Now, I'm always grateful when parents want to tell me about what's going on, help me to better form children. But I would say, if this is our response, right? If we encounter somebody who is broken and somewhere on the way, but we encounter an imperfection and say, this is not a Catholic environment because everybody here isn't already a saint, I would say that's not really a Christian idea, right? Now, I'm not, this is not St. Mary's High School, so I'm not preaching to you about St. Mary's. I'm just using this as an example, right? We do need Christian community. We need to build each other up but we also need to go out and proclaim the gospel. Ever since the founding of the church, from the sending of the disciples to the sending of missionaries, the church has always been going out, proclaiming the gospel, trying to seek and save what is lost. And all of you are called to participate in that mission, right? Faith comes from hearing. There is somebody in your life that needs to hear the gospel. Or there's somebody in your life that has heard the gospel and rejected it, and they need you. They need your witness. They need you also not just saying you need, to, you need to change your ways and then walking away. They need you to be in relationship with them. They need to experience the love of Jesus Christ through the love that you have for them so that they can have that conversion moment, respond to that love and say, okay, I'm now willing to make the change that I need to really be a disciple of Jesus Christ.